0: It is late Wednesday night. It is quite literally one in the morning. And I am officially a survivor of part three of the Jersey reunion. Now, I heard from (laughs) A.G.'s, I I heard from A.G.'s, essentially, I want to say as part three was airing live, asking for my thoughts, and I said... My thoughts, you shall have them at some point, a later date perhaps. I thought to myself, you know, let's watch this, let's suffer through it, let's whatever. And then I heard honestly more about people's feelings after finishing. And there was seemingly a very consistent response, which was equal parts. I'm done with this show right now. It's almost unwatchable. And I don't feel great. And I mean, understatement of the year. Um, you know, I've been talking to some content creators and just trying to do like a little bit of a straw poll out of curiosity, having, having not prior to watching part three, which I just finished. Um, And I watched the Peacock Uncensored version. (laughs) Hello. Um, But I reached out to a bunch of content creators and I was just curious, you know, where do you see yourselves? Are you Team Tree? Team, um, are you a tree hugger? Are you or or Team Tree? Because some Team Trees do not identify as tree huggers and we respect. However, you choose to identify in the tandem. So reached out to some people. Are you a tree hugger or team tree? Do you see yourself as a Gorgita crunch or are you agnostic or option four? Do you sort of hate all of them? And I was surprised because there were people who I have um, spoken with, connected with, had on the show, even who identified as team tree or tree huggers, not always because of a love of Teresa, although often that's a part of it or a sympathy, empathy connection, but also because they didn't fuck with Melissa. And I'm sure that's true on the other side. People who are Gorgita crunches, maybe because they vibe with Melissa, but maybe they just hate Teresa more. And and I'm using the word hate, by the way, guys. I mean, we're 400 bajillion episodes in. You know what I mean? When I'm within the within the construct and world of Real Housewives, we love, we hate. Do we? You know how much of that feeling is connected with the strength of the word? Um, I would argue a lot of it applies to part three. Um, but I was surprised at the number of people who I've spoken with earlier in the season who. Felt like, yeah, I might have felt a certain way then, and now I'm just completely tapped out. They are dipping out of R-H-O-N-J, not in terms of not watching it, but just in terms of a level of exhaustion mixed with cringe. And, you know, I know that the Bravo community has been through it. We've actually, most of us, the vast majority, have really come together to talk with, connect with, you know, um, lose our fucking minds over all things scandal when that comes to the initial breaking news announcement, coverage, coverage of coverage, talking to people on, you know, on the interwebs and whatever else, looking forward to episodes. Um you know, receiving new information, having our own little investigation discovery over what does this mean? And this person saying this thing, and analyzing previous episodes from the season, and, you know, obviously going through and processing the finale and the reunions together. And that has, you know, inspired a lot of emotion, including a lot of anger and upset toward Raquel at some points. And, seemingly extremely consistently at Tom, especially after those last five minutes. And I thought to myself, you know, like there's this is intense. This is, you know, these are these people's lives. There's a lot going on on social media. There's a lot that seems to be happening in breaking news every day. There's a lot to process, but it's not like we're all coming together over a fabulous event. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's a wedding that's bringing everybody together. The original story is there's this essentially sort of terrible thing that happened that has arguably ruined, I would say, several of the lives involved. And Ariana has kind of come out of it rising from the ashes. So, you know... It's not like that started as a parade. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It was a bad situation. And there were moments during the reunion where I was extremely upset. Um, Obviously, I was, as I discussed on that 900-hour solo recap, I was really honestly um, floored by the last five minutes because in connecting those dots, which I'm honestly still connecting, as discussed on that panel episode, um, there's a lot of information that I'm still trying to piece together when it comes to the timing of production and when things happened. I mean, Emily D. Baker, if you haven't listened to that panel episode, it's honestly, it was like a total thrill to record um, with three of my favorite people. But Emily D. Baker was talking about, you know, like, this doesn't add up the timing. Like no one's discussed the fact that when Ariana was at the funeral, Tom was filming the scenes about, you know, uh, getting his sperm tested or whatever. Like, but he was fucking Raquel at that point because we found out in the last five minutes that they were sleeping together in Ariana's Tom and Tom's house while she was out of town for the funeral. So, like, how does all of this add up with those scenes and then with everything that was being filmed with Schwartz and Sandoval, everything else? And that was a revelation to me that I, I was like, oh, my God. And, but also, it's an indicator that I think there are residual, ongoing reveals that will happen. Um, and certainly, I will be getting into secrets revealed on an upcoming episode. All that to say... It's not like the Bravo community was like doing the doggy paddle of positivity Positivity during the Scandal, although there was much to meme about, laugh about, connect with, you know, yell about, essentially, albeit yelling together. And so overall, it was kind of intense. The Scandal was intense. It was like this moment in time, essentially, that that we're still processing. And, you know, the story will continue. Hashtag season 11. And then I watched the Jersey reunion cycle and part three. And I have to tell you, I couldn't watch it without breaks. Typically, I'm Um, watching, posting on Instagram stories, sort of recapping as I'm watching it for the very first time. And then at a later point, I'll watch for the second time before I record a G with a guest. Because the first time I'm like doing shit, my focus is everywhere. And oftentimes I'll miss pieces and I need to go back. And when I watched tonight, I was like, I don't really want to do that because I've heard from so many people that it's really intense and I just kind of want to focus. And then what I found myself doing was pressing pause, walking around (laughs) the coffee table in my living room at one point to like blow off steam or whatever, (laughs) sipping my decaf, harney and sun cinnamon, cinnamon spice tea with two different kinds of frothed almond milk You know, just praying to God that it would end. When there was 12 minutes left, I was like, this is going to be the longest. I think it actually ended up being 15 minutes. I was like, this is the longest 15 minutes of my entire life. And it's not like there weren't good moments, albeit, and I'm saying albeit every five seconds, so apologies. Um, But it's not like there weren't moments that were interesting or dynamic that involved drama. Um, You know, if Housewives is ostensibly about quote unquote friendships, but also conflict resolution, ultimately the reunion cycle is about conflict. The resolution usually comes at like the last five minutes during a wrap up. But the vast majority of what I think the Bravo community would consider a successful reunion is majority conflict because you're going through all of the hottest moments of the season when people are, you know in each other's grill, losing their fucking minds. And the point is to recap, quote unquote, resolve, but really oftentimes escalate those situations as a summary to the season in and of itself. Because you're encapsulating 15 episodes or 12 episodes or 18 episodes, whatever it is, over the course of sometimes one or more likely two or three parts. And so that can sometimes... You know, there can sometimes be an echo of prior conflicts where it feels like we're just getting the same thing over and over. Oftentimes it's an elevated version. Sometimes it's an entirely new situation if info is revealed or relationships have changed in between the filming of the original season and the reunion itself. Or what I feel like I experienced tonight, which was just the deadening void of. I mean, if I'm going to be incredibly honest, the deadening void of a little bit of fear, honestly, of what I was watching take place. And I heard from people really who reached out and messaged me prior to me watching, and were like, I was really upset. I cried. People were really, really upset because there was a visceral sense of, I think, discomfort more than anything of what was taking place. Now, before I kind of get into this, a couple just kind of maybe kept an obvious summaries or explanations or anything else. But the purpose of Andy's Girls is, as you guys all know, essentially at this point, is to discuss the psychology behind what we're watching on TV. And what we're watching on TV, the opinions that we form, our views and understanding of what's taken place, are to me in many ways formed by our own experiences in life. And those experiences in life to me typically influence Um, and play a major role in how you feel or what you believe happened on screen. So when we talk about and oftentimes argue or, or, God forbid, listen to each other and have a conversation, it is incredibly typical and I think normal that Five people can watch an episode of any given housewife show or discuss a housewife, maybe the entirety of her career on Bravo, or even a single season long or sometimes episodes long arc, and have diametrically opposed opinions about how they value that person, whether or not they connect with them, who that person actually is, and oftentimes even how they've behaved. Because one person saying, Well, this happened on this episode another person can have a very different view of quite literally what they watched happen on screen. Because when we're watching this stuff, we're carrying with us all of our experiences in life, oftentimes personality prejudices, triggers, um, connections, disconnections, relationships, toxic and otherwise. And there is almost, it would be, Unnatural at this point in the Housewives universe for, let's say, half a million people <laughs> to watch the show and everyone be like, they're bad, and end the conversation there. Because even if, by the way, you agree with someone that you both like Teresa, the chances are very strong that you like her for different reasons and that the person that you like is different from one stand to the other. I've To to me personally, I always get a little confused when I see people talking consistently about how they view their love and admiration for a housewife without it ever changing, regardless of the temperature in the room or their behavior as seasons go on. If the motto and mission of Andy's Girls is normalize changing your mind based on new information, the key word there is new information. And what I think personally is most interesting to me, someone whose own experiences in life inform the ways that I talk about housewives and the, the foundation of Andy's Girls, that's all based on what I'm interested in talking about. The fact, I bring this up, the fact that I went to school for theater where I say I got a degree in thoughts and feelings. Just the way that I communicate in my daily life and things that I've experienced, traumas that I have gone through from childhood on that to me um, have really shaped a curiosity and uh, in many ways an empathy toward many people, but also sometimes just like personality prejudices where I'm like, oh, this person reminds me of somebody I know in my life and I'm not going to go any further and maybe I'm going to dislike them because I'm like forming a connection between two very different people based on a perception of who someone is, which might be entirely wrong. So when we talk about opinions about whether or not someone is a tree hugger, team tree, a Gorgita crunch, or maybe less than a a Gorgita crunch, a team Melissa, or agnostic, or everybody can go fuck themselves and call it a day, it would be, to me, difficult at this point to... Have a conversation within the construct of psychology and not be honest about leaning one way or the other. And I've heard from people, from AGs, from followers on Instagram who've talked about the fact that, um, you know, they've really struggled sometimes with listening to Andy's Girls because they have that connection to Teresa and they feel like I'm watching a very different show on New Jersey than the one that we're both experiencing in very different ways. Um, There's a new Patreon episode that's up It's 75 minutes long and a, a great majority of it is really breaking down and understanding a pretty long satchel that came to me from a tree hugger that was talking about the reasons that they have become frustrated uh, both in listening to Andy's girls and also just I would assume a general in the Bravo community about a feeling that Teresa isn't believed as consistently as Joe and Melissa are and I talked a lot about the idea of bias and the difference between bias and opinion and the understanding that at a certain day, we have to be able to sit in discomfort. And it would be, you know, it. I wouldn't want to perform the act of believing something that I might not at this point, but also there's room here for a lot of nuance. And there's a reason that, you know, there's the reason there is a reason, <laughs> words are hard. There's a reason I think that conversation, especially this season, has become somewhat siloed because a lot of content creators, uh, some podcasters, have not, dis- writers have not discussed New Jersey as they have other franchises because the stand-up is so incredibly toxic. And it's interesting because we discussed the toxicity in this uh, amongst the Real Housewives of New Jersey audience. I agree. I think it's among the most toxic Bravo communities that exist. It's unfortunate. It happens from all sides. It's actually one of those things. There was a moment where Melissa and Joe were talking about and sort of mocking the idea that um, Teresa and Louie would be or, or Louie I forget which of the two was receiving death threats I think it was Teresa and as Louis was saying the idea that they would be receiving death threats and saying well we've never experienced that and I was honestly surprised because I have seen some crazy fucking shit come out of the mouths and the hands and the keyboards of, you know, the Bravo versions of like social justice warriors or whatever that fucking phrase is on every side. I have seen people who are team Melissa and Joe say wild shit to people on the other side and the other side say wild shit to them. Stuff that I think crosses every line in the universe. Because if you're saying it through your keyboard, you're still saying it. And i My hope would be that you wouldn't say this to someone's face, but at this point in this universe, in this, the year of our Lord, 2023, Chris Manzo, Sutton Strack, (laughs) whoever's the deity that I'm referencing for this year, I, I don't even know if that's the case anymore. I used to be able to say... You know, is this something that you would say to someone's face? And and the unfortunate part is, I, I don't actually know if that would be the barrier that it uh, that I would hope it would still be. Um, but all this to say, there's a lot of toxicity that happens, and a fair amount of what a person could refer to as bias. But I think that has such a negative connotation, and it's intended to be one. I think, you know, we could. Talk about the idea of bias, but really focus on just allowing ourselves to either sit in that discomfort of hearing another person's feelings or just kind of like listening to what one person has experienced or more than that. And just try to figure out, you know, like if I disagree with them, I wonder, I wonder what's behind that instead of starting with, I think you're wrong. Because that's where the conversation can die that's that's where conversation ends the idea of like instead of i have a different perspective and i want to share it these are the reasons that i think you're wrong i don't know i don't know how i don't know whether that provides an open ground in which to really talk about New Jersey, which is why so many people in the content creation world have not. And I fully respect that decision, by the way. I think just for their own mental health, that's probably a good idea. But speaking of mental health, so I'm getting all these responses from people saying that they were really upset from the episode, and I was talking to friend of the pod, Tracy Morrissey, um, this afternoon. I went to the um, Project Run a Project One Run- runway panel between the um, judges on Project Runway and a fashion editor at the 92nd Street Y, which is this amazing space um, on the Upper East Side. And so, while in line for this panel event, which was honestly very funny and they kept referencing how the show has like a lot of light. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm gonna be a Project Runway <laughs> stand this season. Cause I think we could all use a healthy dose of it. But um so, you know, in line I was catching up with Tracy and some other, um, some other friends who I had texted saying, you know, if you if you could identify with the side, what side would you be on? And hearing from so many people that like regardless of how I felt before it's just a fucking mess I was talking to Tracy and we were we were just kind of texting about the fact that you know there are a lot of people who watched the finale Tracy had a uh, sorry the I always keep, I keep calling it the finale of the reunion but who had watched part three Tracy included I had not at this point who were saying it was like more it was worse than the early seasons of New Jersey and I was saying to Tracy, that I found that really shocking and surprising because I remember the early seasons of New Jersey as being almost unwatchable. When um, AG started, any of those earlier conversations on about New Jersey, even conversations of recent, uh, talking about those dark, like the dark ages of R-H-O-N-J, the storm cloud for the soul over Franklin Lake's, seasons three and four are like really tough to watch. I don't know that I would say it's good television. I've seen them multiple times, not in a while, because I don't know why I would put myself through that. I know what's happening and it's just a little bit of a mess. It's people screaming at each other, and you see a family in full fracture, and it was upsetting, especially when Kathy was added, Rosie was added, there was a cousin's element, so it was like this anger within the Gorga family was coming from all sides, then friends were getting involved, and it was just it was it was unpleasant, shall we say, and could be upsetting for a person watching. And then I watched tonight's finale. And I just, again, finale to the reunion. I'm so sorry. And I just thought to myself, like, this is one of the most stressful, upsetting parts of a reunion. I don't know if I would even call it reunion cycle. I think the part three sort of stands alone and hopefully stands apart. In just being so stressful to try to sit through and worse to me than three and four. I mean, from a position of normalized changing our mind based on new information, any kind of like bewilderment or confusion that I felt earlier tonight, you know, this afternoon, whenever, about why three or four wouldn't be worse than whatever the fuck season we're in now I think 13 I don't even remember it's just it's almost inexplicable how much odder and grosser (laughs) this current reunion cycle is and if there was a conversation that I would love to have that I think is maybe a difficult one too it would be to Have a conversation with people who are Team Tree, who do not see any red flags all over the fucking place when it comes to Louie. Because I have spoken to a number of people who identify as tree huggers and Team Tree who are freaked out by Louis Ruelis. And I've got those messages. I've had those conversations and those texts prior to um, them even watching uh, what I watched tonight. And I know that there's like a certain amount of whataboutism, which I got into on that Patreon episode, which I think is almost impossible to get away from. Because at this point, when you're talking to someone who's Team Tree or Team Melissa, and we have a decade worth of content, of history, of examples of what we believe is a specific kind of character, it's very difficult not to engage in what whataboutism, not purposefully, but just because the part of rebutting or um, countering one person's example of the entirety of a person's character is to share another example of that from another episode or another season. And then you just get tied up in trying to fucking remember what the hell happened. And I've, I've been in those conversations myself where it's like, okay, someone's saying, well, you know, Joe and Melissa did this. And I'm like, okay, valid, but here's an example of this. And you're just, it's like you're sort of canceling each other out, but not even because there's no listening even or acknowledgement when one person is saying this thing that happened is confusing me. And it also ties in exactly with the reasons that Joe and Teresa will never be able to repair. And there was a moment during the episode where Melissa was like, whatever the family decides when it comes to how they want to move forward, which I found interesting. I thought the use of the language was interesting because while Melissa was hot and had a lot of thoughts, a lot of taunts, a lot of jokes, and, you know, a lot of sass, to me, the fight ultimately was entirely Teresa and Joe. Like I, And I think that's part of the problem because Joe was seemingly a, an integral part of New Jersey at this point. The husbands on New Jersey are so much more a part of the foundation of storyline within the construct of families than any other franchise by far. There is no other franchise that is as close or as connected to the family structure with a specific place for the spouses who often film separately from their scenes with separate storylines, often one against each other or two together, whatever else, than any other housewives than any other housewives franchise slash event. And Ultimately, I think part of the problem with this fight is that while obviously Melissa and Teresa are warring, and that was a part of the season, I feel like Melissa in many ways is the surrogate for greater issues between Teresa and Joe, which to me doesn't negate what Melissa has experienced, the fact that she has agency to have her own frustrations, stand on her own with her own anger or whatever else with issues that she has with Teresa and issues that Teresa has with her. But ultimately, ultimately rather, the stakes are all around Teresa and Joe. That is the reason to me that it's, the show is so upsetting to watch. And apologies to like Teresa and Melissa, but Teresa and Melissa no longer speaking is neither here nor there to me at this point because when they talk to each other, when they spoke toward the, the tail end of the season, maybe middle on or even, I guess, arguably beginning on knowing what we know about the preseason conversation meeting between Louis, Teresa and Joe. If they stop talking to each other, regardless of how that works from like an operations perspective with filming and whatever else, I mean, what are off a duck's back? Like, hate to say it, but it, it's not like these women ever liked each other. They say, or Melissa says, you know, I love you. I don't know that Teresa said in response. I don't begrudge her for it. I just think at that point she had run out of words because everyone was so fucking exhausted. And it's like, first off, what does love mean when it comes to that? Does, when you say you love someone, does that mean you time with them? Like literally fill in the dot instead of love. It's like, I just, there's so much family history here and I've known you for so long. You, you could care about them. Yeah, you could definitely, I assume, I guess, I understand rather, love them, but the way that they experience love with, with each other is like a second thought. The love is not active. The love is a part of their history together, a part of their familial structure, a part of their, I guess you could call it bond like they are sisters in law they are family but this family is so deeply distorted in name and and so oh, just filled with angst and anger and disappointment and hurt and rage and frustration and fear that like Teresa and Melissa not talking to each other again if that could happen without their spouses getting involved like god bless but them not talking again to me is not the se- the tragedy coming out of this it's the conversation between joe and teresa teresa saying i'll never talk to you again joe saying i'll leave the door open but is he really i think he understands that the door is being closed and there's so much misunderstanding between them including in that moment where joe's like listen We may not talk to each, and this is all 100% paraphrasing, by the way. Obviously, so I could absolutely get stuff wrong. Um, But Joe is saying essentially, you know, um, uh, I we might not talk, but you know, God forbid. And I'm Jewish, so I have to like knock on something because I'm so fucking neurotic. But like, God forbid, toy, 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 like you are in a car accident or whatever else, and you're in the hospital. I would run to you, which I believe he intended to mean as as a sign of like, we might not talk, but if you were in trouble, I would come be with you. I would support you. And Teresa's understanding of what he was saying was, I would support you if I died. She took him literally at the idea of like a car accident or being in the hospital. And she referenced something her father had said to them, which is like, honor me in life, not death. And there was such a misunderstanding of what these two people were trying to communicate to each other, even as a way of saying goodbye. That was to me very emblematic of the state of affairs with their relationship. There are I have a lot of thoughts about Dolores's behavior during part three. Um, I had a guttural agreement with her saying, shut it down when it came to Frank Jr. Maybe not for the ways that some of the people on the couch would like me to believe, but the way that she just kind of said doors closed, there is no other option here. But there's so much um, concern that I have about the ways that this toxicity is going to continue regardless of whether or not they keep in touch. And there is a huge difference in the kind of toxicity that I felt. And if I'm being extremely honest, like a fair amount of fear in watching what happened during that episode, because I think that Louis is an astoundingly negative force in Teresa's life who is going to add so much chaos and toxicity because I can only use as an example of that his behavior so far. Now, you could say that the stress of filming a TV show can make a person lose their fucking shit. We, we are not there. We do not watch as a person is miked up, filmed for God knows how many hours a day, going through day-to-day production where you're maybe overhearing or a producer is telling you that one of your cast members is saying some fucking shit and then escalating that while you're filming, how social media is reacting even before episodes start to air and then certainly after when you're getting a sense of the audience reaction and then have to film a reunion. There's a lot of different pressures and kind of chaotic moments that can compound any kind of awkwardness or anxiety about the experience of being on reality TV regardless of whether or not you want it really like a, a fucking ton it's not for the faint of heart and yet i'm watching these episodes and i'm thinking about the ways that louie has consistently made already toxic situations so much worse because the reality is, would Joe and Teresa be breaking up if Louis wasn't there? You cannot guarantee me that that wouldn't happen. It is entirely possible, and frankly, based on their history and what we've seen of their behavior over and over again, that they would be exactly here, not specific to the level of toxicity felt or the examples of what's been going on with PIs and whatever else. But there's a pretty decent probability that at a certain point, they would revert back to the original sin, which is potentially Joe and Melissa joining the show behind Teresa's back and Melissa feeling like Teresa never had hers from when she started to date Joe on. It's just the original sin of new jersey that is something they will never get past it it is possible that the healing and connection these siblings felt especially after their parents died happened in the wake of that death in the morning in which you know when you go through that a kind of life shattering loss like that people look at each other in a different way there's sometimes a built in empathy that maybe didn't exist prior that happens because you 're reaching out, you want to connect with maybe the only other person on the planet who could have an understanding about the level of loss you feel because it's specific to your parents and the life that you share together, your childhood's Teresa saying to Joe, we were best friends i don't know that she's you know you could maybe say that as maybe young adults, but Joe was dating and with Melissa at not a super young age, but like, you know, you're essentially young adults. I would assume Teresa and Juicy Joe as well. I assume when she said we were best friends that she was referencing moments from their childhood and teenager years, even. And to me, that's a part of history that they will share forever. And maybe they can idealize in whatever way works best to mourn or console themselves or use as a weapon against their sibling of like, you used to treat me better, you used to see me first than you are now. That's entirely possible, but the overwhelming feeling that I had in watching part three, also known as the finale, was that this has gotten so so far off the mark that I don't know how they can move forward because I don't know that Louis has capacity to. We are so used to talking about the level of grudge holding that Teresa has and one could argue Joe has as well. They are siblings. They are related in many ways, including in some of their personalities, especially when it comes to you know, the ways they know they can trigger their sibling because they know which piece is going to hurt the most. While that conversation continues about like Teresa not being able to let stuff go, I feel like Louis creates things in a way that Teresa would not. I don't think that a person's imagination would go to the places that it has been with Louis. And while there have been any number of storylines on other franchises about an investigation, about you finding out information, one could argue that the ways that Jen Aiden was characterizing Margaret's behavior is a friend-on-friend version of whisper campaigns, trying to get any kind of um, information, whatever else. There are Versions of that that exist on other franchises. That is not new. What to me is new is the level of escalation, harassment, harm, and absolute concern I feel about the examples shared by the cast with, you could say, edited silence potentially on the other side. Because I don't think we got any information from Louis that mattered about really rebutting what for example America's sweetheart Joe Fuda said about the fucking art uh, the envelope that Margaret had I don't think that envelope just had that one folded piece of paper with a shot of um Louie's phone number and if it did that's a waste of Manila like I I assume that there were other documents there and Joe Fuda had a fucking like goddamn phone book, which kids, if you're listening to this now, a phone book is pieces of paper that included phone numbers in which you could search by a person's last name and their first name and potentially call them and find out there was a different person with the same name who is who you were originally trying to contact. I think there was a lot there and there was information that John shared about even the nature of calling a prison. And the way that you can very easily <laughs> trace back the original phone number, some of this stuff is like so bad. <laughs> like, let's let's say that Bo Deedle did some stuff and was behind some stuff. I don't think this is a walking a walking advertisement for the Bo Deedle PI agency, or I, I don't know what else. Um, you know, Louis continuously threatening (laughs) all of the guys and some of the women on the couch with like, you know what's coming or it's going to come or I'm going to get you, whatever he was saying consistently throughout the um, episode, which Andy didn't uh, acknowledge because honestly, how could he? He he was literally truly just trying to survive and God bless that man for sitting in the middle. I mean, the way he yelled at Teresa, I was like, he could have, you know aimed his body at the center and yelled at everybody. But yeah, I'm sure that's something he will think about in the future. I thought in the moment it was necessary. It was unfortunate for Teresa. He apologized after, but I think she was the surrogate for fucking everybody, especially Teresa, Louis, I guess, and um, Joe and Melissa. Because the thing with Louis is... He's not really an interrupter. He's not like a fast moving but enormous like fucking steamboat ship thing like Joe Gorga where it's difficult to get out of the way when it's coming towards you because it's just filled with so much. Louis is different in that sense because I think a part of him is trying to play that warrior, that tattoo he has on his chest or back or whatever. He's he's trying his best to be namaste and it's working out so poorly for him because of what he has seemingly uh, allegedly done. And the example that John Fuda gave, the example we were able to watch, I'm sure the edit for part three was an almost insurmountable task. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right. German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at RosettaStone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villarosa, Rosa, um, Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. it does not make me feel great about where Louis finds his role in this. And the thing that I find particularly unnerving is based on some of the experiences of his exes, including one relatively recently, very recently, in fact. He doesn't seem to be acting with his behavior and the investigations over the cast in ways that are dissimilar from how he treated people in his personal life pre-Teresa. If he had come into this with his exes praising him, and I mean, how many people end a relationship and your ex is like, you're great. I mean, whatever else, X, Y, Z. That's difficult. I would call that probably the minority of people who leave relationships and are like, wow, that person was just so wonderful and treated me lovely and it was just timing. I mean, that's a thing that happens, but not with everybody. Um it's just so concerning to me that the conversations around his behavior and toxicity that made the New York Post many years before he ever met Teresa Judice 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 seem so consistent. I mean, his involvement in that fucking warrior beach party, when you look up the information on what I will call an organization and the reasons that these men are attending to try to get out some of the aggression that they feel, seemingly for most of them in their relationships, including romantically... That's not a great indicator of who that person is when he comes home. Because, you know, while I'm sure I would love $20,000, I don't know. And I think $20,000 is just great. The character of 20K, oh my God, the loveliest of money. I don't know if that's even the, I think it's like a lot of money to go to one of those fucking places but um or experiences shall we say I mean below deck next season warrior camp hello we've got sailing yachts we've got ships we've got Mediterranean we just need to go to one of those goddamn camps seems like so much fun oh escapism plus while I am sure that that is uh uh you know um A week or weeks-long event that births so many new beginnings, Ramona wouldn't know where to begin, where to start, truly. I don't know that that necessarily changes a person as fully as maybe they would need to even beat the qualifications of being there in the first place, just based on what I've read. I'm not quite sure about that. And what Louis thinks is maybe not normal, but possible, really concerns me and freaks me out. This whole private investigator thing, in the ways that he has handled himself, allegedly, is so unnerving. Contacting, first off, collaborating with a private investigator firm in whatever capacity is undeniable. The fact that there was a security guard at downstairs. Now, Now, as I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Louie and Teresa had received threats. I wouldn't be surprised if other members of the cast had too. Do I think that's why there was a security guard downstairs? I don't. If there was a private investigative company, I would think that they would be investigating the threats themselves, like BCC Royal Hospital's of Beverly Hills. You could do two. You could do both at once. You could have a security team there and also, um, you know, be looking into. I assume that these threats came over social media. I have no idea. I don't know if it's like the watcher where they're getting a letter in their fucking mailbox. It's possible, surely. I would think we would hear about that if that happened or not, if that's a security concern. But the fact that they had a security guard meet them at the bottom of the stairs, sent to them, I guess, as a wedding gift. By Bo Dietl, I mean, you know, I would prefer a check or a chandelier or, you know, some serving utensils, whatever else. Getting that security guard as a gift by Bo Dietl, who also has said a lot about how he sort of like doesn't work for free and didn't have investigations done on the cast. I don't I sort of at this point don't believe Louis or Bo. <laughs> Because I don't understand the chaos of their relationship. Um, I don't get why you would have a security guard show up on a closed set that has its own security if that person wasn't already following you around day to day. If Louis and Teresa had threats and knew that they were coming to a closed set that included security and producers and everything else, what had they communicated to production prior to that day? Has this person been staying on their property, making sure that they stay safe, as everyone deserves, most especially Teresa, like, and I mean, like most especially everybody else, but you know what I'm saying? Um, this is just a conversation. I I just don't in understand it as anything other than a performance by having someone downstairs without telling anyone, which to me would be a big part of. Security, especially if that security person needs to communicate with people on set, including production, about the nature of the threat so that people on set, including production, including who they have staffed, can be on the lookout. Like, there's so many elements of this where it just feels like collateral that's being added to the deck of examples of behavior that don't track and that are intended to intimidate. And I felt like there were so many examples of that. I mean, reaching out and having a phone number traced back to a a subcontractor of Bo Deedle for that prison communication ring or whatever else confuses me about Bo and Louie. Because if Bo is saying he wasn't paid by Louis and didn't do any investigations, what is this considered? Is it just harassment? Like, what's considered an investigation? How much of this is semantics? If none of this happened and it's a subcontractor of Bo Deedle, if I was Bo Deedle and I didn't hire that person or tell them as a friend to do something, I would be having a conversation with them. If I was Bo Deedle and had nothing to do with any of this, I would be pretty pissed about the fact that my name was being used and that people who worked for me were, I guess, doing things like as a freelancer, as a, you know, devil may care 1099. I don't have an answer for that except to say it's really fucking scary to me. The call to Margaret's son, which we still haven't gotten enough information about, is very strange the fact that it was traced back to louie the fact that there was a lot of sloppiness in all of this and having all this information traced i mean like i sort of hope he didn't pay it wasn't great or maybe it was because the purpose of it to me wasn't to get information, it was to scare these people. The use of intimidation was performative and also pure. and that is scary to me. And you might be listening to this thinking like, oh, scary, like that's crazy, It's housewives. I don't know, babe. We all have different experiences in our lives which influence our opinions and we can have a conversation about how Joe Gorga isn't an angel. About Joe Gorga, you know, escalating things, including this season, regardless of the information we know now about whatever the fuck we know about the pizza oven and the meeting and whatever else, we can talk about Joe Gorga not being great at several points and being complicated and sometimes behaving poorly. It, it doesn't negate what Louie is doing. It's just an illustration to say like you could talk about the ways that Teresa won't let things go and whatever else she would never be doing what Louie is they would never think about it the reasons that three and four are so dark is because you're watching a family fall apart there's a lot of pure upset hatred um dismissal denial hurt uh, again fear that is like overflowing on those episodes it's really tough to watch that being said what the the conversation that is happening is so bad you know how I know that because the cast is so fucking quiet aside from John Fuda the people's prince and Margaret Joseph's and her manila folder slash folded up piece of paper. I assume there were other papers there. Again, that is an investigation I would like done. But aside from those examples and what Frank Catania was saying, the way that the rest of the cast and those same cast members themselves stayed quiet when typically they would be speaking out, is a sign to me that intimidation is 100% happening because nobody wants to be around this. These cast members do not want to have people in formally investigating their lives and trying to intimidate family members including a woman who is incarcerated dealing with her own life her own struggles she should not have to receive it's like it's unfair to the people who are contacted Margaret's son receiving a threatening call is genuinely wild to me and scary because that's telling me the kind of person the ways that they're looking at housewives, maybe as an opportunity to dive fuller, that that person maybe hasn't done as fully and forcefully in their life, because now they get to say they're doing it in the pursuit of justice. Now they get to say, because there's TV crews involved and whatever else, they're writing themselves a permission slip to do all this stupid, fucking, awful, toxic shit. And it is abnormal for the Housewives universe. It's not good for the Housewives universe. It's certainly not watchable. And it ties in directly with what John Fuda said at the tail end of the episode when Louis like strutting on over, half meek, half confident, half talking, entirely talking out of his ass, saying to Rachel Fuda, I know you're a good mother because, I mean, Do you know that from your Google Doc? Like, what does that have to do with anything? I know that that's like the best thing you could ever say to someone. But if you know she was a good mother, you would respect her by not adding stress to her life, which I'm sure is impacting her family. Like, this is nuts. This is nuts behavior. And for him to say to John Fuda, like, whatever misunderstanding we have, you know, like, let's shake hands. John Fuda's response was entirely spot on. If you wanted to be my friend, if you wanted to be friends with me, you would be honest and you're lying right now. But Louis could never be honest because of the response of the cast and the fact that he knows this isn't good. And yet, nobody is really, except for I guess a lot of people, talking about the fact that his response to everybody was not to rebut with any information. And I'm putting the pizza oven stuff in another category to be discussed another day because there's so many complicated aspects to it I watch the after show there's more information shared on that I need to digest it much like I guess a skinny pizza or no pizza or whatever fucking thin crust stuffed with bullshit that I would enjoy and also you know like maybe some mushrooms by which I mean the kind of mushrooms that go on the pizza but at this point anything's possible just get me out of this world by which I mean Franklin Lakes and like into Orange County and other places and apparently now Project Runway. But with what's happening? Where am I? With the Louis stuff, the way that John Fuda said to him, like, own your shit. Like, that's how you if you want to be man to man with me, be a man, be honest and tell the truth. But Louis knows that he can't. But he's still using the threat of information while saying he has none against these people. None of what he said made sense. And while he is not the first, he's not the 100th person to behave poorly, do something behind the scenes, and then lie about it on camera, allegedly, if that's what happened, what he is doing behind the scenes, the way that he is escalating, is scary. It is not appropriate. It's not quote unquote normal. Although does normal exist in Housewives? I couldn't tell you. Probably wouldn't get a job if it was. I I don't know what else to say except to say that if every part of every alarm in your body is not going off, it's like we can have a conversation about Teresa versus Melissa. I'm sure that I will on future episodes. That to me is not the conversation that I am watching play out. I'm watching the cast say I am uncomfortable and I'm not going to participate in my job until aspects of this are done. Because how do you move forward with this? I mean, there were apparently other examples of things that Frank Catania wanted to discuss about his son. Frank Catania is not a guy who really like Dives into the mess of this, except when it comes to asking Dolores to be his like play wife. Aside from that, and being like, let's never break up, even though we've been divorced for however many decades, aside from like aspects of, you know, maybe how he really feels and also being a part of Housewives, he's not to me the kind of guy who's gonna like escalate, look for a battle. He's just in his bunny outfit without a shirt. Teaching Britney that American is also English or whatever, and just like calling it a day. For him to have maybe specific information about Frankie Jr., which I would assume his son, who he's close with, has discussed with him, and whatever happened with Joe Gorga and Frankie, which I don't know what to say about that. That is concerning to me about whatever happened. And Dolores' response to me is the exact indicator of why Real Housewives of New Jersey is going to have a big, fucking problem next season if Teresa is back, which I hope she is. She shouldn't lose her job because her husband sucks. But my God, I don't know how you get out of this because this is who Louis is. Regardless of how much money he plays to throw sand on a beach and send a tearful video to an ex, it's this is who this man is. This is how he has fun. He was like, I mean... Fill in the blank of what I'm thinking on that couch. You cannot tell me he wasn't having the time of his life, except for when he was almost held to account. And there were moments where he was dead ass fucking quiet, including the Frankie Jr. of it all, because something happened when that business that Frankie was working for shut down, when his employment was no longer, that wasn't great. And not great is better than not good because I think that something happened that was not good. And Dolores' response to me spoke volumes. Dolores saying, you know what? We're not talking about this. You're not talking about Frank Ju- Frankie Jr., little Frankie, little Frankie, young Frankie, Frankie Frank. We're not having this conversation. Ex-husband, shut the fuck up. Joe Gorga, shut the fuck up. We're not talking about this anymore. Talking about the fact that Louis was a great employer or whatever, Frank had a job. He has a better one now. God bless. Let's keep it moving. To me, was not a denial of whatever Frank or Joe were going to say, but it was her saying, I do not want my son involved. If I was her, I would have said the exact same thing. Thing. And I said out loud to my fucking TV screen while watching, trying not to have the entirety of my insides spiritually curdle, I would do exactly the same thing. Because you know what Louis sees when he hears about someone's child? A potential opportunity to fuck with them. I, if I, I mean, God forbid, <laughs> if I had a kid. If I was in a little family structure, living my absolute best life, excuse me, nanny of the year, thank you so much. My life goal is to be a badass aunt. But, you know, if I change my mind at whatever point, if I had a kid, Sarah Jr., Sarah the third, because I would have Sarah the second and then Sarah the third, maybe one without an H just to, you know, keep things sassy. Um, I would say the same thing. I would say the same thing if I was in Dolores's position. He had a a great job. Keep it moving. I would do the same thing that Frank, little Frankie, Frankie Jr., Frankie Frank is doing on social media, responding to an Instagram account that's closely connected with Teresa and, um, Louie, the asking him, did you have a good time at your job? And him responding and saying, yeah, it was great. He was a great employer, super happy. Keep it moving regardless of whether or not that's true. And going based off of Dolores's instinct and the other parent who's heavily involved in Frank's life and is also a former lawyer, um, I, if I was Frank, I would be calling my dad as well. You can't tell me that Dolores was saying that because she thinks Louis is a great guy, because you could see the look in her eyes was like, I do not want my child involved because regardless of whatever happened and what they will say, I don't want them used in the future. I don't want them hurt in the future. And I'm going to protect them first and foremost by telling everybody, including that child's father, my ex-husband, to shut the fuck up. I would have done exactly the same thing. And I think that's one of the reasons why the rest of the cast was so quiet. I think that's one of the reasons why Joe Gorga, regardless of how you think about him, said at the end of the episode, let's just say goodbye. He's saying to Louis, let's just say goodbye. Don't fuck with me again. I won't fuck with you. Let's just depart so that you don't continue to do the things that you've been doing. What is concerning to me is that Louis maybe understood and agreed with that. But can you ever separate when there are thousands of people, tens of thousands of people acting as a surrogate for whoever they stand online? Like Louie believing, don't fuck with me and I won't fuck with you. What happens if he never hears from Joe Gorga again, but hears from hundreds of Joe and Melissa stands every day? I would think that is going to inspire him to act out and escalate. Which is concerning to me. It's one example of the ways that, like, this is not going to end when it comes to the kind of behaviors that have been happening because Louis wasn't unmasked in that way. I don't think that would be possible with him still married to Teresa. She has so much invested in him in every single way, including like all of the hope that it, we would not be open up to, we would not be open for conversation. And there were, so many inaccuracies in what he said sometimes between one sentence and the next that didn't make sense including about that meeting that he had with Joe and we didn't believe it and it was only about one one affair but oh wait there was a second like that is such a small example when it comes to everything else it's just so dark like (laughs) A cast member should not have to experience this and not have to be concerned that they're being investigated and not have to receive so many threats that Joe Gorga called out and Frank Catania called out. Like, you're threatening me right now. The way he said, like, let's play or whatever, I assumed he said that to Joe Gorga, which like wasn't great. The fact that he said it to Margaret was very concerning to me. Because he doesn't see a bottom. He just thinks that these are examples of why he's smarter than everybody else. He's smart enough in his mind to hire investigators or to have investigators or to have friends or friends of friends do him favors. He's smart enough potentially to make some calls, including like quite literally some of the calls that were discussed on this episode. He's just that smart. And I don't think he would see stopping this. As anything but a sign of weakness, and I don't know that he has capacity to, because there are so many examples from other people who have been associated with Louis in romantic relationships or whatever else who have echoed this kind of behavior, including before, well before he ever met Teresa. So you can't say they're just like fucking around and trying to get attention for fame, because this is well before Teresa was ever in the picture. Which is why I don't blame her for a lot of this. And also why it's really hard to focus on what we should be talking about ostensibly, which is, I guess, Teresa v. Melissa, AKA to me, Teresa v. Joe, because everything else is so wild. And while there were moments of heartbreak, moments of really upset when it came to the conversations that Teresa and Joe were having and the interactions between Melissa and Teresa, how can you get near that when there's everything else? Because the way the cast was like physically uncomfortable, I don't know how you get around that next season. How do you act on your best behavior around Louis in the hopes he doesn't retaliate in the ways that he feels comfortable and inspired when there are people online acting seemingly in their heads on your behalf Fucking with him, saying, Louis, go fuck yourself, saying you're wrong about Joe, you're wrong about Melissa, saying whatever about Marge, or just saying that they don't like him. Like we have seen the ways that he reacts to that, including negative critique, and it's not great. So I don't know you how you get out of this cycle without Louis being out of this cycle. And there's no way for Louis to be out of this cycle unless Teresa and Louis are no longer. And I don't see that happening for likely a very long time. And even if, God forbid, something happens legally or financially, it is going to take every bad thing to, compa- to happen on top of the bad, on top of the bad, on top of the bad, to force Teresa to see that maybe he's not great. And I don't trust that he would be interested in extricating himself from her. I think he is like an octopus and he has his tentacles all up and everything. And it's so concerning. So did I like part three <laughs> of New Jersey? I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was great. It was super uncomfortable to watch. There were some LOLs. Andy's response to Jacqueline was funny. Um, there was some other stuff. I don't remember anything else. And a lot of discomfort. And it's, it's not great. It's. It's really not great. And I don't know how you get out of this next season when he's still there because we've seen him play Namaste and it just you can't that can't last 15 episodes. And there's always going to be someone who's doing something against him, regardless of whether or not that's actually happening, like the level of paranoia that exists that might be connected to elements of truth of like someone is talking behind my back. Maybe someone is talking to former friends, whatever else. Is that equal to the response? No, but that's the point. He's always going to come back 10 times worse. And because he has these weird fucking connections or the interest, honestly, and the permission, he's given himself permission to do this. He's normalized it. And I assume in his head, Has normalized lying about it because it's too important for him to be like, I did this. He understands that on its face, it probably doesn't look great, but I assume that he thinks he's doing this for the greater good to protect Teresa, AKA himself, because she is now an extension of him. She is a part of him. When people are coming for her or how they think of her is how people think of him. And I'm sure the opposite is true, but not to that extent. So what do you do here with this? I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know how production deals with it. I don't know what conversations they're having or if it's just like a resignation and like this is just going to be how it is and our job is to follow this. Like I don't know how much responsibility they bear from a production perspective. I don't mean literally as far as contracts, but just like even in trying to sort this out cuz at a certain to a certain extent it's like Teresa chose this man and now he's here and now we all have to watch. We're all being forced to watch the real house in New Jersey. That's just how this works. And as an almost completionist I absolutely will be watching next season. I don't have any idea how it's going to go. I assume that Teresa and Melissa will be back. I assume that Joe Gorka and Louis will as well. I don't know what kind of conditions production might be putting in place of like, maybe don't harass or intimidate or whatever else. Family members, wink, wink, which we know you haven't done, wink, wink, but now would not be a good time to wink, wink start. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do, how you handle it, or anything else. But more to come on part three on the next episode. This is just my triage gut response. But connected with that response, I thought of something that we could all use starting with myself. It's something I did. During a previous episode, that you might remember as the sound of all, coined by the way, by friend of the pod, Ryan Hulhan. There is another event that is now going to take place. And I would like to take a moment and pay attention, please, because this is a meditation on the real housewives of New Jersey. We are all, many of us I guess, I would think the vast majority, are a little bit hot and bothered to a certain extent, regardless of where you see yourselves and who you feel most represents, your level of maybe enjoyment or connection or interest, who you align with, where you want to see the story moving forward and whether or not you fucking hate Melissa, Joe, Teresa. Louis or maybe some of those other people who are technically a part of the cast. There's been a lot. This part of the reunion to me and to many people was quite stressful and in many ways upsetting. And I know that in these times of of stress and discomfort, the best way to process it is by letting go. Really grounding yourself in the foundation of what began with the Real Housewives of New Jersey a story about families, some engaging in, you know, light mortgage fraud, but I mean, you know, things happen, okay? Documents are hard. I want us all to take a moment and process the nicer parts, the perfect ingredients that exist on Real Housewives of New Jersey and a hope that we can hopefully move forward. So take a moment close your eyes. Imagine you're at posh fashion show. Danielle, stop, has just asked you for your social security number. You see me there with my husband, Chris Manzo. We wave from our thrones. Keep your eyes closed. Ground yourself in your body. You're sitting on some sort of rented chair, paid by God knows who, at a Ballroom, I'm sure adorned in gold and silver and cream. Someone is bringing out a filet, a rubber chicken, some brock, and by that I mean the steamed vegetable and not Sheena's husband. Close your eyes. They are currently closed, but close them again. Close the clothes behind the clothes. And breathe in through your nose. Count one, two, three, four, 4.5. Hold them, hold that breath for that period of time. 4.5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and breathe out, 5. Now we've raised it, half a point, 4, 3, 2, 1. Let's try that one more time. Breathe through your nose. 1, 2, 3, 4, back we are to 4.5. Hold it for that same amount of time, 4.5 four, three, two, one, breathe out through your mouth. And let's think of some moments from Real Housewives of New Jersey, and some things that might make us think, reflect, God forbid, the impossible dream smile, especially after the most recent episode. Some moments that harken back to the past, the history, the celebration of Real Housewives of New Jersey, of this little show in a little town called Franklin Lakes, and the dream that things can get better. And remember, think of these things. Think of being inside the serene universe of the Posh Fashion Show. Posh Fashion Show. Say that eight times fast. Don't, please don't, because you're focused on meditating. And remember, you're surrounded by models or whatever and people fighting. Maybe someone's weave is on the floor. But those strands of hair represent the growth of time and really a sense of adventure that hopefully we might currently feel or will feel again. Okay, let us think and reflect on some important terms that really connect us all with the Real Housewives of NJ. Prostitution Whore, Kim Chi, Love Bubble, Sprinkle Cookies, Camp. My four daughters, Adriana, Melania, Gabriella, and Gia, Sister-in-law, Thick as Thieves. Wakili, I'd take a second with my family. Redone Home, The Brownstone, Blackwater, Frank Catania's New Teeth, Love Bubble, Jen Aiden's Original Furniture, Juicy Joe, Piece of Shit CoCo Every Day, green with envy grandma wrinkles kim d teresa's wedding hair your garbage inaudible screaming a shirtless evan goldschneider chris manzo my king teresa's wedding hair which i may be said before And if I did, it's worth it twice. Whenever Frank Catania says, all right. Boobies. Brown chicka brown chown. Clink clink. No, no. I just love, love, love. Namaste. Slowly open your eyes, stand up from that probably quite uncomfortable rented chair in a nondescript ballroom somewhere in the greater area of Franklin Lakes. Say goodbye to Kim D and the likelihood of a couple different emergency responders outside, ready to help. Walk back to your car, open the door, make sure you have your driver's license and not Joe, Judy J's brothers, and drive home. And also to the future of maybe Andy's Girls, but really the Real Housewives of N.J. On that note, guys, I wish you healing. I wish you namaste. I wish you a new Andy's Girls this weekend. And the hope that whatever happens and whoever stays married. Hopefully we will find ourselves next season after a healthy amount of time, a nice little break in the schedule, a cast that can come together, maybe not as family, but as a part of the Bravo universe as they should remain. All right, guys, you can listen to that Patreon episode I mentioned, which includes a big response to a tree hunger and and a lot of insight and hopefully shared perspectives on the AG Patreon, the number one way to support the pod. $2 a month gets you my love, gratitude, and sass. $5 a month gets you all of that and two bonus episodes. And $10 a month gets you four bonus episodes. Oftentimes, those episodes are more than an hour. There's also a premium tier called the People's People's Couch, where you can record a Patreon episode with me, yours truly, and talk about absolutely whatever the fuck you want. I've also had people participate in that premium tier who don't necessarily want the episode to be made public. They just want to talk to me one-on-one and have an incredible AG chat, which I love to do because I love to connect with you and talk to you guys and get your thoughts. I have a Scandival Satchel Spectacular. The episode that I mentioned on the Patreon is actually part one. Part two goes up this weekend. I'm very excited for it. I have, I believe, 18 satchels of gold your thoughts and feels, questions, and concerns about all things Scandival and VPR. And I'm excited to unpack them with you. And you can send me your satchels of gold after you give me a follow on Instagram at Dame Galley. Thanks for listening to this episode. I know that New Jersey is potentially one of the most difficult uh, conversations to have within the Bravo community. And for some ungodly reason, I felt inspired to continue having it. Um, and I appreciate all of you for listening, including... If you don't disagree, especially if you don't disagree, because hopefully we can get used to disagreeing with each other without acting or reacting in a punitive measure and just understanding that the purpose of all of this hopefully is to learn something about maybe our experiences watching TV, maybe just enjoying them, which is also incredibly valuable, especially in the world in which we're living. And, you know, if we're so lucky to find value in what we're talking about, I mean, all the better. I don't know that you could ask for anything more. On that note, it is absolutely af- well after two in the morning. This is your wake up call. Galli does mean some form of rooster in Italian. Someone did fact check me um, completely appropriately. It's like some kind of rooster or something. Anyway, I guess I am done crowing. <laughs> this episode, which might be the new way to identify my cackle. Um, thanks to all of you. And I so appreciate the combos that we're having on AG. And, you know, oftentimes understanding and not devaluing when a person speaks out with maybe even, God forbid, a little bit of anger. It's sometimes how we process and sometimes how we can even bear witness to what we just watched. But I'm really excited to talk about Secrets Revealed with you. I have an incredible guest with a lot of thoughts and feels about the vindication of Ariana Maddox coming soon. And of course, another AG classic talking about Orange County, Atlanta, Vanderbump Rules, and yes, New Jersey. So look out for that. All right, thanks guys. (laughs) Bye-bye.